Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong. Here with, as always, Nicole Cleggett, the star of the show, representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, and I have some exciting news. Uh-oh, is this uh, some breaking news from the garden? Not from the garden, but from the property. We have three ducks. Three ducks? We have three ducks Have now. they been named? They have not been named, but I will tell you, we adopted these ducks from a, a lovely lady who was keeping them at her home. Her, her, her senior and high school son thought it would be a brilliant idea to bring some ducks home, but they live in a neighborhood, right? So they kept them for a few months, and they're pretty big already. Um, and, and then she asked me to adopt them, but they have never been in water, and they're scared of water. <laughs> and so I've been mommy duck. And we have a pond, and I have been having to put the ducks in the canoe to canoe them out to the middle of the pond, and then to put them in the water, and then they follow me back to where they live. They're, they're, <laughs> it's quite funny, but if I just drop them in the water, they scamper out and run right to me because they do not have any idea what to do with the water. When you go on the boat, are you in some sort of duck suit to get them <laughs> acclimated, or no? No, but okay. but, but, I, but I have to like throw Cheerios out in the water to make them stay <laughs> out there and just encur- give them lots of encouragement and praise and. <laughs> I I just thought that was sort of an innate behavior, but I guess it's not. I'm looking forward to future duck updates. And for names, I'm going to suggest Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Oh, that's so cute. Maybe we'll go with those. Yeah, we'll go, go the DuckTales route. All right, well, let's get down to business here, Nicole. And we're going to have a timely discussion on risk management. And to do that, we brought in some of our own from Transitions Life Care. On the line, we have Beth Fair, who is the Employee Health and Risk Management Coordinator, and also Nikki Martin, Vice President of Quality and Compliance and also the Chief Compliance Officer. Beth and Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Do you guys have any ducks at home? <laughs> any advice? I wish. <laughs> They're very you know, cute. I have a Yeah, I have a 180 pound Great Dane. Wow, I've always so wanted one we, of those. Amazing. That's amazing. That's awesome. Wow, that's great. Well, I'm super excited to have you you all on the uh, show today and always very incredibly grateful and happy to have individuals from Transitions Life Care on here with us because um, obviously Transitions Life Care does some incredible work around end-of-life care services in our community and um, risk management. Uh, people might be sitting there listening, well, well, why do we care about that? What exactly is risk management? And we're not talking about like managing our stock portfolios or things like that, are we? Oh, no. Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you could almost sum it up in one word at this point in time where we are as a nation and as a country and as a world, COVID-19. Mm. <laughs> That's why we should be thinking about this. Yeah. So, so I guess what is sort of what is the role of risk management in an organization? Well, um, Nicole, risk management is a, is a continuous assessment of risk, not only risk to our patients, 
um, but to providers, healthcare providers, um, and the public in general, we're constantly looking at, okay, are our employees, you know, immunized? Have they had their chickenpox vaccine? Because we don't want them going into a patient's home and exposing them to a virus that they may have never been exposed to before. So it's constantly keeping up um, with the employees and making sure that, you know, they have everything they need up to par. But also when we're going into patients' homes, educating them on things that they can do to lower their risks. Um, as Nikki mentioned earlier, COVID-19 is, you know, one of the things that we're focusing on now. So, you know, continuing to educate you know, when they go out in public, what they can do to better protect themselves. So it's that constant assessment and evaluation. What are we doing? Is it working? Can it be done better? Um, so just, you know, keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening and, and looking at numbers and, and keeping track, basically. So it really sounds to me like in this era of the global pandemic of COVID-19, there's really been a, a new spotlight. I mean, people maybe don't realize it's the people who are doing risk management that are really working really hard to keep us safe. But it really sounds like it, it's the group of people like both of you that are really looking at the different things that are going on in our communities and in our environments and in our workplaces and in the homes that we go into, uh, things that we need to be considering to help keep us all safe and keep the vulnerable population safe as well. Yes, That's ma'am. absolutely when, right. Mm-hmm. When COVID was first declared a pandemic, we actually got together a group. We called it the COVID Command Group, and we actually had a phone call for six days a week um, to, to keep up with what was going on in our community and listening to the, the CDC and you know North Carolina's Department of Health and seeing what new information they had for us and making sure that we were following their recommendations. Um, which we are now meeting three days a week um, and calling meetings as necessary as new information comes out to make sure that, you know, our nurses and aides and, and um, health, uh, home health employees that we're doing the best we can and that we're educating our families and patients with the latest information to help protect themselves as well. So when I'm working with the public through Transitions, Guiding Lights, or in other avenues that I'm involved in, I'm really starting to feel that generally the general public is really starting to be fatigued by a lot of these precautions and measurements that we have put into place to protect the vulnerable. And one such group that is really starting to get quite antsy and anxious are the groups of individuals that are housed in adult care homes, assisted livings, nursing homes that have been really quarantined inside of those buildings for several months now and with families not being able to get in. What are some things um, that people should continue to consider right now and and to help them understand why these things are put into place? Because you are starting to see some advocacy groups out there that are really calling for the restrictions to be loosened and for families to be able to be in physical contact with their loved ones. So my thought is, I think the, for me personally, and I don't know if this is how other people are feeling, but I think the social isolation part has been one of the most difficult pieces of of COVID in our response to COVID. So I can completely understand how difficult that must be for a family member and then compound it with what if their loved one in this congregate setting is at the end of their life and not being able to spend time holding their hand, putting their arm around their shoulder, reminiscing about 
the good old days, how difficult that must be. So it's a delicate balance, even for us as healthcare practitioners, there's certain facilities that won't permit our staff in, or they'll permit our staff in, but they have to gear up with their personal protective equipment. And our staff currently is wearing gloves, a surgical mask, and an eye shield or goggles to protect their eyes at every single visit they do. Um, And these are for people who are not suspected to have COVID. And then we also have more layers of protection if we are dealing with a COVID patient. But it's difficult even for healthcare practitioners to get into those congregate living settings. It's getting um, better. It's loosening up a little bit. But now we're even having different facilities um, mandate that our staff show proof that they are COVID negative before they come into the building, which I can very much appreciate that they're doing everything they can. Maybe they've already had a wave of COVID through their building and now everyone's recovered and they're trying very hard to keep COVID out of the building. So I think if family members can remember the why, why are they doing this? Because number one, the people that live in these settings are fragile and vulnerable to begin with. And that because of their age and their comorbidities and other medical and health conditions they have, that is going to put them at higher risk for having more complicated COVID course per se. So I think that's if we can just remember the why behind what the facility is doing or what their visitation is, that helps somewhat. But then we also have to think outside the box and all the technology that's available to help people not be so socially isolated, whether it's, you know, using iPhones so that you can FaceTime or visiting from outside the building, maybe outside a window or things of that nature, Skyping in or FaceTiming, you know, all those different technologies, Zoom meetings. I mean, this is a great time to get a Zoom license. And for folks like myself who aren't that tech savvy, I'm becoming more tech savvy. That's kind of one of the lessons learned from the COVID pandemic is that there's a lot of resources available to us as healthcare practitioners and administrators that have always been there, but we just were leery to use it. Now we're all having to jump in with both feet and learning how to use those technologies. We have Beth Fair and Nikki Martin on the line with us. We need to take a quick break, but we will continue our conversation all about healthcare risk management right after this. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, our guest this evening, our friends from Transitions Life Care. We always love having our Transitions brethren here on the show. We've got Beth Fair. She is the Employee Health and Risk Management Coordinator for Transitions Life Care, as well as Nikki Martin, who is the Vice President of Quality and Compliance and the Chief Compliance Officer. We are talking all about 
healthcare risk management and how this is uh, even more important right now as we are going through the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, towing the line between healthcare risk management and uh, making sure that we're staying healthy in light of social social isolation, which uh, can have some damaging effects. But um, Nicole, I wanted to pick back up on this conversation, particularly with you, Beth. And, you know, it's it's got to be very challenging in your world to uh, be constantly dealing with the pandemic and COVID-19 and uh, making sure that everyone is is able to assess their own risk. And uh, I know during the break, you were mentioning that there's uh, some tools that folks can access if they want to make sure that they're prepared. Yes, sir. Um, Jason, when uh, we were talking, um, Nikki mentioned the CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control. They have a website um, and you can just Google them and they'll pop up. And there's a coronavirus self-checker that you can um, check that box to get into and it asks you a series of questions and you just answer them honestly and it will tell you where you are um, if you need to contact your primary care physician um, or if it looks like you're, you're pretty good in, in your state of health. It just walks you through that and kind of gives you a baseline. So if you are you know, feeling good today but tomorrow you're running fever and you started this dry cough and you're just not sure where it came from, you can get into this, um, get onto the CDC website and walk through that tracker and kind of see, okay, well, these certain items have flagged. I might need to call my, my primary care physician and get checked. Um, and speaking of that, some of the big things we look for are fever, shortness of breath, um, a cough. You might have fatigue, um, muscle, body aches, and a really odd one that stands out is loss of taste or smell. Um, I had a friend um, tell me, um, I go to church with them, and they uh, ended up being positive with COVID a couple of weeks ago. And they went on Facebook and was talking about their experience. And the first symptom they had was they couldn't taste their salsa. He told his wife, this salsa is really bland. It needs salt or something. And she said, no, it's fine. So loss of taste or smell actually is one of those things you wouldn't think about, but it is um, a symptom. Um, and as uh, we've all been kind of paying attention and trying to keep the information fresh, uh, Dr. Cohen, who is our North Carolina DHHS secretary, has the three W's, and that's something really easy we can all remember. The three W's is wear a mask, wait six feet apart, that's your social distancing, and the third W is wash your hands frequently. And I would add to that wash high-touch surfaces. What's a high-touch surface? A doorknob, a sink faucet. Your um, cell phone. In your home, it's the same items. <laughs> yeah, definitely cell phones. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're huge culprits. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I didn't hear you. you 100%. Yeah, we don't think about those daily items, but going to the gas station and pumping gas, how many little mm -hmm. fingers have been on that gas nozzle? So keep some hand sanitizer in your vehicle so that you can um, wash your hands or use that hand sanitizer. That's going to get you get you through if you can't get to soap and water um, hand sanitizer is a great great way to get your hands clean be between sink visits um, so Nikki I know that you must be thinking about the future here and you know n in the not too distant future we're also going to be facing the start of the 2020 slash 2021 flu season I can well imagine things are going to get a little squirrely when people are coming down <laughs> with flu symptoms and we're not sure is it flu or is it COVID and 
Uh, you know, I, I, in my heart of hearts, I just wish this whole COVID thing will disappear by then, but I really don't think that's going to happen. You're seeing things like the Academy Awards for 2021 being postponed. We're seeing the Bluegrass Festival being canceled. We're seeing things that are much further down the road that are going away, mm-hmm. uh, which leads me to believe I don't think anybody has a sense that this is going away anytime soon. What, what are some things that you mm-hmm. all are doing to sort of prepare for that? Uh, well... Uh, we're gearing up on getting employees um, trained on how to conduct COVID-19 testing on employees um, because we're probably going to be have to we're, we're for sure going to have to be testing our own employees who go into facilities that are mandating or requiring that they uh, can prove that they're COVID negative. So I think we're just looking at what is this um strategically, how is this going to play out and what steps are coming next? And I think you're going to see more testing of staff. I think that's just going to be the natural progression of this. But I'm glad you brought up about flu season, Nicole, because when COVID first started, we were right in the midst of the flu season starting. So any testing for COVID really was an afterthought in the beginning of the pandemic. It was first you had to get a flu test first, mm-hmm. strep test next, or or in a combination, and then they would test you for COVID. Whereas right now, if you had any of those symptoms, that could be flu or COVID, they're testing you for COVID first now, it seems. And I think we're going to have the same thing. And I think that's a, um, a big issue with this is that a lot of the COVID symptoms mimic flu or a lot of them mimic just typical allergies this time of year. So what we're instructing our employees especially is if you have a new cough, like maybe you already always get a cough every flu season or you get that stuffy nose or runny nose every flu season, is it any different than what you normally experience? Um, So I think that's the tricky part. You know, when you think about you know, the different symptoms, you know, fever or chills, well, those aren't really consistent with, you know, seasonal allergies, but it is consistent with flu and COVID. And a cough, well, that could be pretty much anything. Shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, well, if someone has emphysema to start with, they're short of breath or all asthma. the time. Yeah. So is it yeah. any, or asthma, any, mm-hmm. any um, chronic respiratory condition, fatigue, the muscle or body aches, you know, did you work out over the weekend is that what that's from or is that perhaps COVID and headaches uh, we've heard a lot of people talk about the worst headache they've ever had but then the sore throat congestion or runny nose nausea vomiting and even diarrhea these are all um, the cluster and this might not be all of the COVID symptoms but a lot of them are just pretty generic or you know it could be a lot of different things so it's trying to decipher and during a pandemic I think you probably would want to err on the side of maybe it is COVID, maybe I need to get tested, or maybe I just need to not go anywhere for 14 days. Maybe it's time for me just to rest at home, stay at home, eat eat right, get a lot of rest, drink plenty of water. You know, maybe that's the angle you should take. I mean, get a your lot flu of people shot. aren't even getting tested. Get your flu shot. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, it's going to be in get your COVID shot. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the new norm is we are ramping up and already developing policies for um, the requirement for our staff. We are a mandatory flu um, vaccine. All of our employees have to be vaccinated against the flu to work here unless they have a medical or religious exemption for, for getting the vaccine. 
but it will be the same with COVID. So that's part of also the ramping up and getting ready for the future. We don't know when a vaccine will be available, but when it is, that's probably going to be added to the what is required of you to be employed here at Transitions because we're looking out for the health of the people that we care for. Again, um, you know, we have people who are just seeing us for palliative care and then people who are maybe getting home health services, maybe they had a recent hip fracture or something like that. They are of, these are all vulnerable populations that can't really afford anything worse than what they already have. So I think we all have to do our best to make sure that we're protecting our patients and then the, the health of the public in general. And I think those listening this evening, you know, they may hear this and it just may make your, your heart weary just to hear what's what's in the future and, and where we're, we're going as as a country in dealing with this pandemic. Uh, but the, par- the big piece that I think is important for everybody to really hold on to is that if we really take those three W's to heart and we really practice those. It has been evidenced in other countries and in other states. I know that our state, you know, the numbers are are going up. We're part of this sort of the Sunbelt area where we're not doing such a great job in containing the virus. Um, if, if, we, if we start really becoming more serious about that, then we all, I mean, it's just common knowledge that then things will be able to be released sooner and we can get back to some semblance of what feels like normal. But if we don't and we keep fighting it, um, you know, we're going to be sort of stuck where we're at for a long time and more and more vulnerable people will continue to fall ill from this virus. Yes, you know, there's a tremendous recovery rate for this, but those folks that are living in these communal settings, those folks that have chronic conditions and have life-limiting illnesses, you know, th- this virus for a lot of those people is is very, very traumatic and life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Beth, do you want to talk a little bit about the whole mask situation and why you should be wearing a mask? Sure. Um Nikki and I were talking earlier today about masks because we wear masks here um, in the office when we come in. Um, if we have to come in, we try to work from home, but we'll wear our mask. But we not only wear a mask to um, protect ourselves from others, but we also wear the mask to protect others from ourselves because we have found that there are people with COVID who are asymptomatic. They don't have fever. They don't have cough. They, are, they don't realize they have it, but they are carrying that virus and they can spread it to others. So if I have my mask on and I have this virus and don't realize it, this mask is going to keep me from spreading it to someone else who's unsuspecting. So it not only protects others, um, you from others, it protects others from you as well. It's, it's a two-way street, um, if you will, when you have your mask on. It's an easy way to do your part to keep yourself and to keep others safe as well. We've been speaking with Beth Fair. She is the Employee Health and Risk Management Coordinator for Transitions Life Care. And Nikki Martin, Vice President of Quality and Compliance, as well as the Chief Compliance Officer for Transitions Life Care. We're running out of time. Beth and Nikki, thank you both so much for coming on the show this evening. We really appreciate all that you've done and uh, all for sharing this information with us as well. Yes, sir. Thank Thank you. you, Jason. Thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to visit a topic that we haven't talked about in a while, and that's oral care for the elderly and the homebound. And there's uh, an option for folks who maybe are not able to get to a dentist's office or to uh, maybe they're they're worried with the, the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. You know, oral care is, is so very important. Uh, it's such a key to maintaining a, a healthy overall body. And to cover this subject, we're bringing back our friend, Sasha. Motamedi, and we appreciate him coming on because he is the patient coordinator and office manager for Triangle Mobile Dentistry. Sarshar, welcome back on the show. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. Glad to be with you guys today. So I'm happy to talk about this because I know oral care around COVID-19 has been in the news all the time about whether or not you should go to the dentist and what the risks are and things of that nature. And, you know, gosh, it's just like, you know, the gyms and everything else. It's <laughs> so it's seemingly so complicated and, and maybe it doesn't need to be. I'm not sure. But um, oral care for older adults is so incredibly important. And I, and I know that um, for a lot of family members who are caring for a loved one it, wherever they call home, it can be really, really hard to get that loved one to get out of the home. And it's sometimes seemingly a monumental effort. And I love the idea that Triangle Mobile Dentistry actually can come to the home and provide that care for that individual where they feel most comfortable, especially when they have a cognitive impairment. I, I can imagine that that is incredibly helpful to the families. It really is. And I'm so glad, uh, Nicole, you brought up that new uh, information that it is going around about the dentistry and the COVID-19 because uh, first of all, in, in generally speaking, before COVID, since 1988 pandemic, the dental professional, everybody in the United States did uh, stood to the higher standard of the sanitation after each patient, they always wipe everything down, autoclaving the instrument and doing a lot of different things. And of course, in a brick and mortar, there's a, you know, there is a new technologies that a lot of the dentists, like a source capture unit, UV light, fogging and things like that, that's been incorporated now. It's really, really, uh, overall, it is safe. I mean, we do a lot of precautions uh, uh, with the patient and we do the same thing also not in our brick and mortar office in Chapel Hill, also with Triangle Mobile Dentistry. Uh, that when we go, we make sure we fog the place, we utilize the uh, individual uh, staff to wear a changeable GANs and protective gears and PPE and uh, all the things. And we also monitor the uh, patient. But again, uh, due to COVID also, we have seen a tremendous increase in emergencies because during the two months that uh, uh, until the American Dental Association, ADA, brought up the news that, hey, listen, we really, the dental professional is uh, like uh, uh, pretty much essential uh, to uh, oral health. And not only oral health, it's also affect the entire body. 
because if you have an infection in the mouth, your artery is going to take it all the way to your brain and the other artery is going to bring it down to your lungs and your heart. So it is very, very important. So I'm so glad that you are doing this show about the oral health. And Nicole, I really do appreciate it about this awareness. Yeah, you know, and I think there's always, it always seems to me that when it comes to older adults, and I know I'm making a generalization here, but it seems like oral health tends to take a back burner to more of the, you know, heart conditions and lung conditions and cognitive issues. But to your point, you know, a lot of what's going on in an individual's mouth can really lead to additional comorbidities for that individual and worsening of some of the disease processes that they have in place. And and you are correct, because what we see generally uh, when people calling us, especially for the emergency visits, uh, when we go, it's just a little too late. And we really like to be in the forefront of preventative dentistry rather than uh, trying to extracting anything like that. Because if the patient cannot leave their home due to their condition, uh, and if they need some uh, extra services like an oral surgery or endodontist treatment that we cannot sometimes provide to them in the a mobile setting that they really need to be in a controlled environment, like an oral surgery unit or in the dentist's uh, office, it makes it even harder. So we really do need the, you know, the people to realize that it is a part of the care. And of course, you know, being dentistry is a very expensive uh, and unfortunately is not covered by any insurances, things like that unless you do have a dental insurance, which is also not really an insurance, it's just a supplement and it doesn't cover everything. So it is uh, financially is a burden and also it is uh, logistically is a burden to a lot of family members who care for their loved ones. So what are some things that if a family caregiver is you know, in home with a loved one, what are some things that they may be able to look out for uh, that might make them suspect that there may be a change to uh, the oral health of that individual? Uh, it's a great question. Of course, you know, when they do uh, constant brushing and flossing, uh, it's, it helps uh, tremendously with the inflammation and uh, helping the patient. And also, as much as they do uh, for their residents or for their, you know, loved ones, uh, they get... Uh, Pretty much they know the, uh, their uh, person, so they know what to sign for. <clears throat> and also there are some signs when you see, especially people with dementia uh, or Alzheimer's, they cannot uh, express their feelings about the pain like me and you we could. Uh, so they usually is the sign they rub their mouths or they touch their gum and they keep putting their hands in their mouth. So they need to look after those things, of course, any kind of swelling and things like that, that also is a, a sign uh, for it. And, you know, and again, the standard of the care for these people uh, is usually is about every three to four months that we can, you know, visit them uh, or they go to a dentist generally, uh, whether we go there, we go to their home or they go to a dentist, they really needs to be proactive uh, with a three, four months recall process. So talk to us a little bit about who the typical patient is that you would normally go out to the home to see, just to give people an idea of the types of people you see in the home. Well, pretty much anybody that who cannot leave their 
whatever they call it home. Uh, mostly is the dementia and Alzheimer's patient. As you very aware of the situation, Nicole yourself, uh, when they leave to go on familiar area, they just they're not going to be in a comfortable. They're not going to be very cooperative. Uh, plus, you know, you got to get them dressed, and you got to get them in the car. You got to go. You got to sit in a waiting room. Uh, when we go to them, we can take care of, you know, we are in, a, in their own controlled uh, environment, so we can provide a little better service for them. So that's, that's one group. Uh, the other group is the people who have some, uh, basically is a bed bond due to maybe obesity or uh, maybe uh, injury in their back or leg that they cannot be uh, transported or, you know, uh, they have to be in a, in a, in a gurney, and, but the cost of, you know, getting an ambulance to carrying them. And most the dental offices are not equipped to carry a gurney in because right. we always have a fixed chair in our brick-and-mortar office. So, so those are the ones that usually people with MS, MLS, uh, also we see a lot of them. And just the elderly people that they are frail and there is a, a risk of a falling. They have a fall risk. Uh, that we take care of it in the convenience of their home. So talk to us a little bit about the geographic region that you serve. Uh, we are, uh, at this time, fortunate enough to serve Alamance, Orange, Durham, Wake, and Chatham County, basically from Burlington all the way to Zebulon, Fikway, Verena, to uh, Wake Forest okay. uh, that we are serving right now. So that's great. So that's a really uh, great swath of, of an area that you can actually assist people for those listening. And I know this station goes through all that those areas as well. I think this is definitely one of those best kept secrets out there. And I'm really excited to get the word out about what you do, because I think there are a lot of people that have not received dental care because of limiting factors in the home. Yeah, and Nicole, we talk that about the, the many things that caregivers have to deal with, and this is probably one of the things that is one of the last things that you tend to think of. So I'm so glad that we had some time to speak with you. Sarshar is TriangleMobileDentistry.com, the best way for folks to find more information? Uh, that is the best way they can get as much information, uh, read about our uh, reviews, and see the team that comes over. We do a great team of the doctor and the uh, dental assistant that really put their hearts and souls into this and uh, they go out and they take care of the patients and um, our phone number is also they can always reach us 919-799-2770 excellent and again online at trianglemobiledentistry.com he is sarshar motamedi he is the patient coordinator and office manager of Triangle Mobile Dentistry, and we always love having him on the program. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here. Good afternoon to you. 
as always, with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing well, and um, I'm sort of being a fall pusher. If you, if you, if those who can't see me today, I'm sort of in those nice orange and yellow colors because I'm I'm the one who would probably buy a pumpkin spice latte <laughs> at the end of August, really wanting to start making my pumpkin bread. I think you're you're trying to subtly send a message to Mother Nature, saying, "Hey, let's uh, let's cool it down a little yeah, bit." Yeah, 100 plus degrees heat index has not been awesome. <laughs> well, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm all about fall. So the the sooner that comes along, that's that's good enough for me. That means this year will be over, and that's what we all want, right? Oh yes, yes. Bring on 2021. I'm I'm fully on board with us. Thank just you. Thank canceling you. the last few months of the year. I think that's great. And moving forward. Well, let's get to our topic at hand tonight, Nicole, and we're going to be talking about the importance of financial planning for older adults. And to do that, we're going to bringing back a, a favorite guest of ours, and that's Beth Donner. She's a chartered retirement planning counselor with diversified planning. She also has a degree in nursing, which gives her a, a unique insight on a, an interesting field. Beth, thanks so much for coming back on the program. I'm so excited to join you again. Thank you for the invitation. So I know that a lot of people have been really nervous lately with sort of the volatility of the market going up and going down. I mean, it feels like we are really on a roller coaster on some days. And I, I personally don't tend to pay attention on a daily basis because it's too stressful. Uh, so I know there are a lot of people who are either caregiving for a loved one that's older or a approaching retirement themselves. And I think people are really starting to get nervous about, you know, that nest egg that they have saved, you know, potentially going away during this very, very volatile time. Well, um, absolutely, Nicole. Uh, Some of that could even be an understatement. Um, (laughs) Having a recent, um, you know, about a 30% drop here, um, bottoming out for the most part around the March time frame, a lot of that has come back, but I have to tell you, you know, working with seniors, if, if that is the market that I'm um, talking with at the moment, it would be rather inappropriate to, to have a senior invested to the point that, that they're having those kind of drops, mm-hmm. you know, in their, in their uh any anything placed with their money at the moment um i would certainly advise people to be a little bit more cautious not be fully invested um some insurance products can help with those type things and give you some guarantees Um, but we have had a huge upswing back in the market and we're actually seeing some all-time highs um in in some sectors so There's a little bit of good news. Sure, sure. Just like with everything, there's always the other side. And I think, you know, it's really important for people to think about, you know, similarly to how we often say that folks should really look at their estate planning on a yearly basis, make sure the health care powers of attorney are people that they still want to be in place, things of that nature. You know, your financial plan should not be that Ronco commercial where you set it and forget it, because as time goes on and as we age, really the different types of financial vehicles and the ways we need to be investing to, to, to the point that you alluded to really needs to change, right? I mean, as we get older, we should probably be a little less uh, risk adverse with our, our, our money because we're going to start to draw on it. Absolutely. Um, 
I couldn't have said that any better myself. Thank you for that lead in. Um, it, you know, dealing with somebody's money, um, helping them manage and make decisions, it, it really is sometimes more important to look at issues such as cash flow, you know, income, estate planning, um, your insurance, uh, particularly Medicare, you know, understanding how that works, uh, estate planning, you know, reviewing any kind of policies, insurance coverage that you have, making sure that your money is going to be left to the certain beneficiaries um, that you want it to go to. It's a fairly long and comprehensive list of um, things that need some thorough attention. Um, obviously, um, things can go wrong with the human body. <laughs> uh, coming from the background of nursing, I'm very, very well versed on that. But, um, you know, and then we get into the topic of, of aging, um, Alzheimer's, um, having any forms of dementia can certainly limit someone's capacity to make decisions um, once a health care event occurs. And these are some of the things that I encourage people to look at, you know, prior to having some kind of a health care situation because, unfortunately, you just don't ever know um, when something may happen. So I'm a huge advocate of... You know, people having a list of their financial assets, having a family member that knows what those assets are, where they are, having a good understanding of what the income is, what the expenses are, you know, knowing all of your insurance policies, again, reviewing beneficiaries, letting people um, in your family or maybe someone else, you know, know what your intentions are, those types of things. So I really think, you know, uh, even above and beyond uh, the privacy that people have about their health care status, right, like a diagnosis they may have or things of that nature, I think people are even more private about their financial status. And so what is some advice that you have, given that you've sort of had a foot in the lane of the, of the nurse and now a foot in the lane of you know, someone in the finance world, how would you suggest that a family caregiver or a loved one who may be in that role in the future opens up that conversation on such an intimately private topic that a lot of people feel is related to their financial status and sort of where the money flows and where it's going to go and, and, and sort of what the plan is for the future of the long-term care of that individual? Well, you know, honestly, it's just tough for most people for most families to, to start that conversation. And, um, it, it, you know, I don't know that I've got a magic answer in that regard, but just, you know, try to get your courage up. <laughs> if, if you see signs um, in yourself or if you've got a loved one where, where you see signs, maybe, memory issues are starting to become a concern. Um, there might be difficulty at completing certain tasks around the home. Um, you know, difficulties in, in problem solving, maybe confusion um, 
you know, times and dates and those kind of things. When you start having some some warning signs, you know, all I can just say is let's just all try to be supportive to work together to know that we have a common common goal and end. It's just to take care of each other. Um, obviously, we're talking about family members here for the most part, but um, it can't be overemphasized enough the importance of just um, taking the time to hopefully uh, prepare legal documents, you know, health care power of attorney, uh, financial durable power of attorney, you know, having that will in place to let so you have it documented, you know, if you're not here anymore, <laughs> you know, where would you want um, anything to go, whether it's of, of financial type means or um, more real, you know, finite property such as a home or you may have jewelry or art, you know, special art collection, things that mean something to you. And, of course, um Having it documented what your health care uh, wishes are, you know, advanced directives is um, a term we hear a lot today. But it tells our loved ones or even our doctor, you know, how how we want um, our health care to be delivered to us if we were to end up in a situation where we basically at that moment could not speak for ourselves. Yeah, having that of course, line of communication open is so key and making sure that you've got your planning in order is essential. And uh, it's it's a gift not only to yourself, but to those who are caring for you and, and who will be there after you pass. Beth, we're just about out of time here. I want to encourage anyone who wants to get a hold of you, they can call your office. That phone number is 919-234-6369, 919-234-6369. Two three four six three six nine, or you can email Beth Beth at diversifiedplanning.com. Beth, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so very much. I appreciate our time together. We are just about out of time for today, but I want to remind you, if you're still interested in signing up for the Virtual Caregivers Summit, you can go online to caregiversummit.com. Caregiversummit.org. There you can find information about the virtual summit happening this year. It's free to register, free to attend, but it's the same great, wonderful experience that you've come to know from the Caregiver Summits over the past few years. Again, go online to caregiversummit.org. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.